You're listening to Subconscious Mind Mastery Podcast number 50. Boom. Thomas Miller here. Thank you for joining us. And I couldn't think of a better way to spend podcast number 50 than with my buddy, Fred Dotson. Especially because if we're talking to Fred, it means that another audio book has been completed. Yes, Parallel Universes of Self. If you've been listening to the podcasts, you know that it's been out for a little while. Fred has been traveling. He's back now. And we were able to get on the phone and talk about Parallel Universes of Self. And during the conversation, Fred told me something that I didn't know. Fred injected an energy into Parallel Universes of Self so that people who read this book would be infused with a success that would come into their life quickly after reading the book. You'll have to listen to this. It's an amazing addition, and I have to tell you, you know my story. It happened to me right as I finished the book. We were doing some revisions, and boom, life totally changed. And if you would like your life to change, go to the website. I've put the links on there where you can buy it, podcast number 50, on subconsciousmindmastery.com has the link straight to Amazon and to Audible where you can pick up the copy right now. Without further ado, let's jump into the interview with Fred Dodson. Fred, welcome back to Subconscious Mind Mastery. Well, Thomas, welcome to my Skype. Yes. <laughs> welcome to my screen. Welcome to my world, you? right? Welcome to my reality. It's <laughs> Exactly. Well, that you and I are talking means that we have completed another audiobook together. Congratulations. Is that so? It is so. <laughs> you should <laughs> you should check. You know, it's on Audible. If you go uh, if you search Fred Dodson on Audible, there are two of you there now. Right, of course. Um we we've completed two. We've completed Reality Creation Technique and Parallel Universes of Self, the uh, best-selling one. That's your. By the way, that's your big title, right? Yeah, it's the one that's translated into all these languages. How many languages do you have it in now? Um, Arabic, German, uh, Spanish, and French is coming up, and presumably Greek and Turkish as well. We'll see about that. Wow, that. But would next be, up is French. Yeah. That would be seven. Wow, that's amazing. And something happened. You, you mentioned, folks don't know this. Nobody would ever know this if we didn't tell them. But in about the, I don't know, well, we were through with the book, actually. We were finished with the book and we were doing some revisions, which is always typical. And uh, production slowed down. And you reached out to me and, hey, what's going on? And I had to uh, confess that I had the world basically open up to me in the middle or toward the end of doing Parallel Universes of Self. And I was traveling to the White House and to Washington Congress and meeting with these various leaders of our country. And I mean, all of this just exploded overnight. Well, you came back and told me that several people who had been working on translations of parallel universes of self had similar things happen to them. Yeah, it's, it's been a problem for me when I employ people to translate the book um, in, in several languages in, in uh They've just jumped off halfway through because they became too successful. Uh, you know, they became too successful to be my employees, so to speak. And they, they, they just lost interest somewhere along the way. They said, well, the book is really, really, really great, but I got this job in, Fred. I can't do the translation anymore. Or the book is really, really good, but I've manifested this and that. And I'm just not interested anymore. I'm so sorry. So I'm glad you you made it through the uh, recording of the book without letting your newfound success get to your head. <laughs> <laughs> I made it through the energy barrier and we got the book done. Yes. <laughs> In fact, I had I had to double down. I ended up um, going to bed really early and getting up really early so that I could commit those couple of hours a day that needed to be committed uh, before the regular day started. Yeah. And, and you sound pretty much the same. So it's not gotten to your head, right? <laughs> I I hope not. I'd have a few people who would slap me if I did, I think. But you had you did say on serious note, you had an intention that you wrote into the book when you had finished it. You said that you put an intention on parallel universes of self that apparently is still there today. Well, uh, the intention I, I actually it was the first book I had written about 15 before, but it was the first book where I sat down 
and intentionally made an intention. <laughs> I deliberately deliberated. Um, so I sat down, put my hands on the book, and uh, dreamed up what I would like the book to contain energy-wise and what I would like it to do for people. And that was in regards to, back then I was coaching a lot of actors. That was my actor's coaching phase. And I, one of the intentions I put in for all my actor coaches, because I also gave acting training as well as success coaching to actors, one of the intentions I put in there was fame and Hollywood. Oh, my. So, so the funny thing about that is that some people who read it, they suddenly find themselves in a in a fame frame <laughs> like you did. Right. Seriously. And, you know, we uh, ended up I don't know that there's a correlation here, but I'm doing several radio shows around the country and one of them is in Los Angeles. I see. Well, <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> and I think yeah. it happened during that time or right after that time. How about that? Now, here's the thing that people don't realize is that book was not just written a few months ago. That book was written 10 years ago. Back then, I coached a lot of actors, but that's not the only intention in the book, acting, or it's not only for Hollywood people or anything. The, the other intention was to simply have everyone who reads it experience a, def a definitive improvement within weeks of reading it. Wow. Not within months, but within weeks, you know. Yeah, I can tell you firsthand that kind of sends chills down my spine because that's exactly what happened to me. And you're mentioning that it also happened to your translators as well. And as it did to many readers, yeah. This is some of the feedback I've received is, uh, even um, overwhelms my sense of uh, of belief, you know, and my, my sense of what I'm willing to believe is, is already pretty expanded. What I find amazing is that you can put an energy into a project like that and have it last for a decade. Well, books last a while, don't they? Absolutely. Yeah. Lifetime. Yes. Beyond a lifetime. Some, yes. Some books last hundreds of years if they're good. Um, and some books are only relevant to the time to the time period so um i think 80 percent of the material in that book is relevant to any time it'll be relevant in ten thousand years from now absolutely and and some won't for example references to tom cruise won't be relevant in ten thousand years <laughs> right <laughs> the book will live on tom cruise will probably not all right what is the concept just what is the basic concept of this thing of parallel universes in physics, there's a theory that there are many versions of you, many versions of Earth, many versions of your hometown, many versions of your relationships. And before I read about this, I actually had night dreams indicating as much, where I'd uh, find myself on, on a, in a reality similar to my daily life with, with a few slight changes. Okay? Interesting. Um, yeah. So... That's what got me started, becoming interested in this. And then later, after I'd read all the physics books on it, or, or the most important ones, I thought, well, wait a minute. How would this apply to my job? How would, My job was a self-improvement coach, a success coach. So how would this apply to my work? And it got me thinking about, you know, what if there are versions of me already existing on another timeline that already have this and that success. And I started experimenting with it. One of my first experiences, which I often recount, was uh, healing a, a toothache of mine, which was so severe that it put tears to my eyes and, and uh, aspirin wouldn't help. Um, you know, nothing helped really. I put my face under the faucet and had, had water cold water run over my face, that wouldn't help. All of my meditation techniques wouldn't help. And it was at a time where I was in this in this remote hotel and there was no pharmacy open for harder stuff and there was no uh, doctor. It was evening. It was a foreign country anyway, so I wouldn't have known how to go, to, go about it. And uh, I thought, okay, let's try this new technique that I'm working on uh, when I started working on it. And I lied down. And imagine that beside me lie another version of me on another time track where the toothache never started, where the tooth problems never started to begin with, because 
up to that time, I had always had problems with my teeth, lots of dentist visits, and so forth. So I imagined a parallel universe version that lived a completely different life and timeline, different past, different future. And all I did was roll over in my bed to, to that position where I had visualized that version of me. And within 30 seconds, the pain subsided. And that was incredible. That was miraculous. That was awesome. I thought, wow, this pain that I'd had for hours just subsided. So I, be I began experimenting more. And I took it to the extent where my physical location and reality changed. So I'll give you the most extreme example of this, which is uh, more extreme than I teach people, actually. I don't teach this. And I I've never, I don't think I've ever talked about this, but um, at one point I uh, meditated on parallel universes for hours, on jumping timelines, on going to completely distant timelines. One day later I wake up and I decide to go to my hairdresser, which was a 10 minute walk. I walk there and instead of the hairdresser, there was something else there. So the hairdresser wasn't there anymore. And there was kind of a new building and a park bench. And I thought, okay, so so what's this all? Where's, did I take the wrong street? Where's my hairdresser? And I went over to the shop across the street. And I said, where's the hairdresser? And they told me this hairdresser had uh, stopped his business years ago. Years ago. And that sent chills down my spine and I thought oh my god what is going on I felt like in twilight zone it was my big twilight zone moment and I realized I had taken this parallel universe thing a little too far meditating a little too deeply going a little too far away so then I went back home and I I was uh, scared actually at that time I was scared that I was meddling with uh you know meddling with reality itself and I toned down my my meditations I toned down the topic for a while and then later I got back into it but in a softer way in a softer version and this softer version is uh simply realizing that you have all these versions of you and all these options these choices you can make a day and that each version of you attracts a corresponding event a corresponding reality so there's the role or version or identity of you that um, is different when you're at your parents house when you're alone when you're with your partner when you're speaking in front of people you switch identity all the time you're in a bad mood you're in a good mood and according to your mood you make choices and according to the choices you make you go on a certain time track that's how i teach it now you know so People can can more easily, uh, more gently create the reality they prefer. That is an amazing example. Now, what's going through my mind, and I, I would think of people who came maybe from a particular perspective like I did. I was raised in a fundamental Christian environment that said that you were born once, you traveled through this life, you were given many opportunities to accept Jesus as your Savior, and then you die and you will face judgment thereafter. And so it's a linear timeline with a definite beginning, a definite end. There is no reincarnation. You get one shot and then it's up or down after you die. And that was, I mean, that set the course. You had a completely different experience in your path. But for people who have been raised in environments and circumstances where they have not been open to something like this, how can they get from the rigidity of their upbringing to the openness to explore something like this? Well, frankly, I was raised that way too, which is what many people don't know. I was raised fundamentalist Christian, uh, very fundamentalist actually. So my first phase was because it was so rigid and so strict. You know, I wish it would have been a little softer than, I, well, if it would have been a little softer, I would still be on that path. Exactly. But, it, it, <laughs> if it, it was so rigid, my parents were so strict in those regards uh, that I rebelled. So there was first this rebellion phase. And this rebellion phase was one thing that led me to certain experiences regarding higher realms and other realms. 
And then after the rebellion phase passed, I started reintegrating a few of these things back into my works. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, it's um, higher realm stuff, especially. So it's, it's not really all these beliefs in the world, all these religions, I actually love them. They're not really a contradiction to what I do. But many people perceive it that way. Um, they, can, they can be integrated if you, if you um, soften the edges a little bit. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's true. Uh, um, anything can be integrated because everything is in infinity in the universe. Um, everything belongs and everything is part of the puzzle. So if you understand that everything belongs, you can integrate everything, anything, even negativity, even rigidity, anything. So everything has its place in time. And, and what you just mentioned is a linear belief system. And, and, and what I teach is a non-linear one. However, in duality, where there's non-linear, there also has to be linear. Correct. Where there's linear, there has to be non-linear. So you can't say that linear and non-linear contradict each other. Uh, instead, they're, they're part of a different consciousness level, part of a different stage that you go through. So first you go through the linear, then after that you progress to the non-linear, then someday you integrate the linear and the non-linear. One of the interesting things that I've that that I've enjoyed reading about some of these near death experiences. So when we do get to the end of the supposed linear timeline called our life, those who believe in Jesus, when they have a near death experience, see Jesus. Those who believe the Hindu faith, for example, see their family surrounding them when they die. I mean, it's the, the so the reality on the other side becomes what they experience, what they believe here on the in the linear path. Well, you actually, yeah, I've actually seen, uh, I claim to have seen that people attract in the afterlife what they, what they believe. Mm -hmm. And, and that doesn't necessarily mean that these things don't exist. They do exist. These families exist or Jesus himself mm -hmm. exists. Mm -hmm. um, but whether you attract him or not, see him or not, whether he picks you up or not depends on your belief. That's, you know, that's pretty, if somebody believes in Jesus as their savior, that's pretty valid to me because that means he's going to pick him up. Excellent point. And, and they'll be happy in Jesus' kingdom and live there happily ever after. So, so that's valid. That's fine, you know. And likewise, it's also fine to, to be picked up by Buddha or uh, to be picked up by your family. You know, there's what I, what I really, what I really want to say and what I really teach is that it's, important to be in a good state when you die. It's important to be surrounded by loved ones and to be in a pleasant state when you die because your last memories are what you magnetically attract when you leave the body. This is why harsh accidents or, or, or war or suicide are, are not recommended because you, you're not going to attract nice stuff when you go to the other side. Hmm. Interesting point. And boy, we could go on for hours on that one. Let's let's get back to a couple of highlights in the book. I really especially enjoyed chapter four. Chapter four is mostly about reality creation manifesting. It's kind of setting the stage for chapter five, which is really the meat of the whole book, uh, the pure technique. But chapter four on reality creation, you specifically talk about a vibratory connection. In other words, what we vibrate out is what we uh, what we attract into our life. It's the platform that we live on. Elaborate on that. Well, most of these uh, teachings in regards to law of attraction and manifesting and self-improvement and success and programming your subconscious, hypnotism, NLP and all, they're all teaching the same thing. What I see a lot there is that people think they, they can get what they want specifically. And I, I'm a critic of, of the expression getting what you want. I say you do not get what you want. You get who you are. You get who you are. Uh, because wanting or desire implies a, a separation, a lack. Okay, It's only a first step. You can want all kinds of things. So many people are wanting, 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 that doesn't necessarily mean they're getting it. So the key question in my work that I have people ask themselves is, who would I have to be to attract what I prefer? 
Not what I want, but what I prefer. Prefer is softer than want. Who would I have to be to attract what I want? And based on that question, the answers imply certain emotions, thoughts, behaviors, thought, word, and deed. And as they craft this new identity based on that question, things begin to change. Things begin to happen. They start attracting other people, so-called coincidences, things into their life that uh, accord with what they're vibrating. That's, that's essentially how it works. You have to, if you want something, you have to correspond to it. That's the way I express it in the book. So if you want a new partner, you have to be the person that this partner, she or he, is attracted to. Most people want to be richer. That, that's the number one uh, issue people come to me with. So, so I tell them um, they have to identify with that and act like someone who is rich, behave like someone who is rich, which would include things such as not saying yes to all offers, which would include uh, certain objects, perhaps, that symbolize richness, which would include... Uh, not making affirmations of I am rich, I am rich, I am rich, because that's not something a rich person would do. They would not make affirm I am rich, I am rich, I am rich if they are rich. So once once you're able to identify with a new uh, new reality, let's say you identify with I am wealthy. You've you've used the the parallel universes technique with that. Once that happens, you can literally become wealthy with anything. Interesting. So then it, yeah, then it doesn't matter what job you do. It matters who you are being. So anything you touch, whether it be uh, selling something on eBay or uh, working in your old job and getting promoted or finding a new job, you can succeed with it. You'll see that some people, they succeed with anything they do, whereas others, they fail at anything they do. So it's not really the doingness. It's all about the beingness. You told a story about um, a watch that you sold on eBay. Yeah, um, that that was an example of uh, succeeding with anything. So I had I normally don't sell on eBay. I'm normally, except if I have some old junk, I have to get rid of. You know, <laughs> like most of and, us, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and there was this uh, this old watch that that I had left in a shelf, and it was from. Not from my grandfather, but still a grandfather close to me. And I thought, okay, what to do with it? So I put it out and I looked at it for a while. And I thought, okay, let's experiment here. Suppose I just uh, put this on eBay. I didn't know what it was worth. Suppose I just put this on eBay for $6,000. Let's see what happens. So I, I took my smartphone and make, made pictures of it, put it up on eBay and nothing happened at first, so I reinstated it. And then again, nothing happened, and I reinstated it. And then again, nothing happened, and I reinstated it. And then after a while, one person finally bid on it, bid on the 6000 And when they bid on the 6000 it means they're going to have to buy it for that price. Uh, and that was pretty amazing, you know. Now, so you just wow. pulled, you'd pulled 6000 out of the air, right? I pulled 6,000 out of the air. It was the watch had been in front of my nose for a long time. You know, it'd been in this shelf and that shelf here and there on this desk. And out of nothing, I just pulled 6,000 out. Now, the interesting thing was that once this person, once one person had bid, others started bidding. Mm. Okay. that That's interesting perception wise. People believe that if, something is worth something, you know, then uh, once they believed it's worth that, they started bidding. And then the bid started coming in and it went up to more than 9,000. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So I sold it for more than 9,000 out of nothing. Out of the drawer. <laughs> out of the drawer. Yeah. And that's an example of how wealth is actually right in front of people's noses and they wouldn't even see it. Like I didn't see it with that watch for years. I just didn't see it. I, I just didn't. I wasn't tuned to that kind of wealth. But had I done this 10 years ago in my 20s, I wouldn't have sold it for that price. You know, I'd have concerns of being a, a fraud 
I'd have concerns of it not being worth anything. I'd have concerns of betraying the, uh, you know, betraying my almost granddad, so to speak. Sure. But but no such thoughts were there. It was just, uh, okay, let's experiment. Let's see, because I don't need the watch, you know, and I don't particularly like it, to be honest. <laughs> You'd like the nine grand better, right? Right. That's once you're in a wealth vibe, you can make anything to gold. And when you're not in the wealth vibe, everything seems difficult and you struggle with anything, with everything. So another way to say that is when you're, you know, being on a winning streak, like, like, like sports teams, when they're on a winning streak, streak, even if they play badly, they're going to win. <laughs> That's true. Tiger Woods, back in his early days, before he got so popular, he couldn't lose. Right. He just won and won and won, no matter what. He was in that vibration. He was in that reality, in that universe. Hmm. That's the job, to get people into momentum, into this momentum. Uh, people get into it, and then sometimes when something bad happens, they lose it, you know? So that's why I teach it's it's important to maintain your poise, maintain your calm, maintain your reality, uh, no matter what happens, even if bad things happen. Can you can you maintain that energy? That That's an important point. Well, chapter four is one of the best I've ever read on that point. So if people want more information on how to do those kinds of things, you mentioned money and love. Those are the two that everybody wants more of in their life. Well, chapter and four. Health. Yeah, and health, absolutely, the big three. And um, chapter four is a great resource on that. Chapter five is kind of the, the pivot point of the book, the pure technique, because you say if you didn't take anything else away from the book, the pure technique is all one needs. Now, we're not going to disclose what the pure technique is, because obviously that's in the book and, and, and the audio book now and things that people can read and pick up for themselves. But one of the concepts of pure, and you've mentioned it in these other things that you've been talking about subtly, but I wanted to bring a spotlight on it, is attachment versus detachment. Sometimes we create and we get so attached to what we want that we actually repel it. Is that not correct? That's true, and I experienced that time and time again. So this summer, a great example, I manifested this uh, great house at the Atlantic Ocean. It was part of this experiment that I did online with people where we visualize one thing for 33 days. Okay, so mm -hmm. what I chose just for fun, I don't need a house. I don't even want a house. It's not convenient right now. But just for fun, I thought, well, it would be nice to have this uh house at the Atlantic Ocean, I'm going to take that, I'm going to visualize that every single day for 33 days. With some letting go breaks and some forgetfulness breaks, I did it almost 33 days. Hmm. And um, because I don't need the house, I'm not attached to house, it actually manifested. How did it manifest? Completely unexpectedly. Uh, this month, I was on the road uh, throughout uh, the United States. And a friend in Connecticut learned that we're on the road. And he says, well, if you guys want to stay at, at my house, um, you're welcome to, if you want to, if you're tired of being on the road, you're welcome to, I've moved out of the house. My family has become too big. The house is right at the ocean. And I thought, wow, this is incredible. This is absolutely incredible. This is uh, the manifestation. And uh, I was waiting for him to ask for rent or something, and he he didn't ask for it. So I, 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 uh, I could have stayed there indefinitely. And oh he my. just said, you can stay in the house. So we arrived at this house, and um, it was right at the beach, about two or three rows back from the beach. So we had to, a three-minute walk to the beach. As I say, it wasn't exactly manifested. The, the one I visualized was exactly at the beach, but this was close enough. And another thing was that the um, beach was not sandy, which, which reminded me that I had not visualized the beach clearly enough. It was a house at the ocean, but I hadn't, it seems, specified sand or sandy beach. So, that, so that's, it's, it's interesting how the, how the subconscious uh, operates and interprets this stuff. And arrived there and, and the fridge is filled you know, on top of that. <laughs> oh, my. Because he was using it as a weekend house, 
now he knew we're in it and he said okay uh, you can you can have anything that's in the fridge there was a note posted to the fridge a completely full fridge you know that that's good manifestation and most importantly also tucked to the fridge the wireless internet code which is important to me <laughs> yes absolutely right it's the portal to um, your so, life so that manifestation of course came about through the visualization but also um, through the non-attachment, through the fact that I just did it for fun uh, as part of an experiment with my readers on the website. I don't know if people are picking up on this or not, but there's a subtle theme that you've been talking about here that um, you deliberately put an intention on the book Parallel Universes of Self. You deliberately intended something for that book. And then several times here through the course of our talk, you've mentioned experimenting with things. What's the difference for you between deliberate intention and, like the house or the watch, just experimenting? Well, experimenting is playful, whereas uh, much of the things people do is kind of needy, um, coming from a, a place of lack, whereas I'm coming from a place of curiosity and playfulness. I don't really need anything in my life. I have everything I've ever wanted. And it's been that way for a long time, actually. So that's why my manifestations work. I don't really need anything, anything at all. I don't need money. I don't need love. I don't need health because I have it all. And coming from here, what, well, what do you do all day? Well, you experiment, you try things out because you want to help people. And the experimenter is also the person who develops and develops his methods and techniques. You read a lot of these books uh, by by so-called self-improvement coaches, and you realize they, they, they just uh, copy-paste from older books. They copy-paste from other books without having experimented with it, like some kind of mad scientist, you know. I think you learn the most about something if you do experiments, as if you're in a laboratory, to see what works, what doesn't work, does it only work with me or does it also work with others? Someday, I'd actually like to do large group experiments, which I already do to some extent on my website. So I have these intention experiments, visualization experiments, so, so that I get feedback from normal people. So that the experience or, or, or the, the, the message on my website is not based on marketing as it is on so many others but on real people doing real experiments, you know. Well, when you read these books, you never know, are these authors for real or are they only good marketers? So, so that's, that distinction is important to me. Have I experienced this by scientific experimentation myself or th is this just some nice idea I have? And I think it's of note that if people are not where they want to be in the key areas of life, if they don't have all the money they want, they don't have the love they want, they don't have the health that they want, a lot of the tools that you've used to get to, that, to the point where you do have everything in your life are all laid out in parallel universes of self. One of the chapters you have in there is on viewpointing, and I wanted to just read the way that you introduced the chapter because it's such an attention grabber. That I think it's of note. There, you say there are some single techniques that are worth more than thousands of words or volumes of books because they deepen the experiential understanding of things that words can't describe. And viewpointing is one of them. Briefly, what is viewpointing? So, so previously we talked about shifting identity um, into a version of yourself you would prefer the version of you you'd like to be to attract something else. And viewpointing is the extension of that. It's like doing that um, tenfold, 100-fold, 1,000-fold. It's, it's something the soul likes to do. It likes to jump into different lives, different identities, different viewpoints. And the more it does that, the more it perceives and the more it learns. So if you can only see something from one viewpoint, one position, your view is going to be limited, your intelligence is going to be limited because you're not seeing the whole picture. So if I'm in my house, I'm seeing the balcony of the other house always from my window. I'm seeing the other house from my window all the time. And I don't learn more about the house. I've never been inside it. I've never looked at it from the other side, from the left side, from the right side. 
So my awareness is, is limited. Viewpoint limits awareness. Unlimited awareness, which is traditionally called enlightenment, requires me first to shift my viewpoints and then to occupy all viewpoints or none at all, which puts me into a state of cosmic consciousness. That's, that's what this is connected to. But on a more practical level, in, in businesses or in, in resolving conflicts between countries, you got to be able to occupy the different viewpoints so that you get the whole picture so that you can, you know, offer a solution to these problems. So we have some conflicts they have been going, going on for dozens or, or hundreds of years uh, because people are unwilling, not unable, but unwilling to occupy various viewpoints, other viewpoints. They, they resist other viewpoints than their own. And you see this a lot in politics. That's why I can't stand politics where, you know, there's a certain party on this side is co consistently talking from their viewpoint, seeing from their viewpoint. The other side is talking from their viewpoint and nothing gets resolved. It's just a bunch of talk. Instead of looking, practically looking at the issues that need handling uh, without viewpoint um, from, from both viewpoints. For example, if my table is broken here in the living room, I don't need to express my opinion or viewpoints. I just need to go over there and get it fixed. And there's different ways to fix it, of course, different approaches. And um, I, I could be aware of the different ways to fix it. I might get it fixed more quickly. Well, and there's a good plug opportunity right here for the next book that we're doing on audio, Levels of Energy, because you explain in there uh, how, take the example of, the situation that's broken right now on the world stage is Israel is attacking Gaza and Gaza is attacking Israel. Israel, a lot of people would say, is defending itself against the attacks. But there's two different viewpoints. And in us trying to go over and um, resolve that situation, which has been a battle for 3,500 years, but we're we're on a different level of energy as well. So you address, you extrude that in levels of energy to take it to a higher plane. Yeah. So you have this conflict over in the Middle East and it's like, you know, it, it's, it's completely different realities uh, speaking to each other. So they're not really speaking to each other. They're speaking from different rea realities. It's like two different universes trying to communicate one viewpoint versus the other viewpoint, and that's not how you're going to get it resolved. And it's not going to be resolved, in my view, for a long, long time because of the rigidity of the viewpoints involved, you know. And from their universe, both are completely correct and completely right. That's the problem, you see. When, when, when two sides are 100% correct from their viewpoint, how are you going to get it resolved? So what you would have to do in that case is you'd have to sit all the big players, also the ones in the background, you'd have to sit them together in one room, lock the doors, <laughs> 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 you know, have to, that they'd have to sit together for, for weeks and wouldn't, shouldn't be allowed to leave the room until the issue is resolved. And what happens if you sit people together in a locked room for weeks is either they all kill each other <laughs> or preferably if they have a coach around, I'd coach something like that. That would be fun or a mediator around or something. They start making friends. They start having a drink together, you know, and as they start having a drink together, their viewpoints soften up and they notice the difference and also the similarities. So it's not about getting them to have the same viewpoint. That's not the solution either. It's about respecting the other viewpoint. Um, so, so they have drink, a few drinks together. They soften up and they learn of the other viewpoint. They learn of the other universe. And you have the um, Palestinian viewpoint. You have the Israeli viewpoint. You have the American viewpoint. You have the European viewpoint. You have the Russian viewpoint. You have the uh, Saudi viewpoint. You have the Qatari viewpoint. You have the Egyptian viewpoint. You have the Hamas viewpoint, you have the Lebanese viewpoint, and you put all these viewpoints into the room and you have them, you know, stay there. You lock the doors and have them stay there until familiarity is, is so, so close that they can't war. 
So then they have to find another way to deal with each other. The, the problem really is, is that their vibrations are, are so radically different. I'm not saying better or worse, but so radically different that it just doesn't mix. Every time they come together, it collides. So that's why I'd lock them all in a room and have them stay there <laughs> until it's solved. <laughs> Hopefully that room is isolated off somewhere away from everything else. It's going to be a highly energetic room. It's been interesting reading levels of energy at this point in history because I'm in the section of the book where you talk about this and I'm seeing it played out on the headlines of the news every day where people are on different levels of energy. And you can just see, like you said, we're not going to resolve this the way they're doing it. It's not going to fix it. No, and, and but the funny thing is, this has been happening for thousands of years, and um, it's nothing new. Back when I was 20, there was the same conflict. When my parents were young, there was the same conflict. Um, um, we didn't start the fire. <laughs> no, no. We there's a song, right? We didn't start the fire. It, this is this has been going on and on and on. It's just part of the the. It's part of the conflict program on planet Earth. And as our consciousness uh, rises, these conflicts become. You know, they're going to mellow out. Uh, we used to have more war, more wars. And also uh, a higher death toll back in the day. So people don't realize it. But if, if, I, if I took a time machine back to the 15th century, uh, uh, any modern person, even one living in, in Palestine or Israel, would be appalled. You know, oh, by, absolutely. By see, see, seeing seeing uh, heads slashed off of the, the bodies, you know, right in front of them. And put on poles on the street, you know, the, the, the stench there, and, and they'd be appalled. So it's not like we haven't made any progress. We have. Consciousness is slowly but surely increasing. And the thing is, with, with the Internet, the good thing about the Internet, the, the upside about the Internet, is that as we become familiar with each other and get to know each other, it's more difficult to attack, attack the other. You know, you, you just chatted with with this guy from um, Pakistan in the Internet. So <laughs> it's going to be difficult to wage war on him the next day. <laughs> true. That's true. Bring, it's making the world a smaller place. Yeah. You have several personal stories in parallel universes of self. Everybody loves a good story, and you have several. That You talk about one where you... Uh, met some blue-skinned people along the way, and we'll let people get the book to hear about that. You talk about healing. People are always interested in health, as we've talked about. You have a couple of examples of how you healed. But one that I thought was interesting, and it correlates to your intention that you put in the book, is you actually manifested yourself into the Hollywood community. Yeah, for, for a very brief time. As I said, back then I, I had a lot of actors that I coached. With the aim of making, helping them make it, and 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 so I, I for myself, I had to make it. Um, I thought, okay, how how am I going to help these actors make it if I, you know, if I'm outside of the the whole whole Hollywood scene? So what I did, I, I did another experiment, and um, put myself in, into the Hollywood vibe, which is a very specific energy, the glamour energy. Uh, the glamour energy field, which is a very distinct energy that feels completely different to all others. I put myself in that field, and two weeks later, I was asked to teach somebody English. I, I used to teach English back then. This was a, a long time ago. And uh, this somebody happened to be a television moderator. So there was the first Hollywood vibe, just a little bit. And this television moderator wanted English classes for me because she was interviewing Tom Cruise. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> so so, so we, we coached a little bit and did a little bit of English. And then she, uh, at one point, she broke down and said, I can't learn English this quickly. She, she was expecting to learn English within a few days, you know. And uh, <laughs> Bless her heart. She was ambitious. Yeah, she was very ambitious. But she broke down at some point and she sa said to me, listen. If I take you with me to the studio, could you sit beside me and could you kind of do the interview for me? Um, I will prompt you what to say and, and, and you do the interview for me. 
So, so that's when we came to a point where I saw, okay, this, this must have to do with the, with the um, Hollywood creation that I did two weeks ago. So that's how quickly it went. Two weeks later, I'd be sitting in front of, uh, I have the offer to sit in front of Tom Cruise. Wow. Then the other thing was I started getting uh, casting, casting agency offers and uh, film roles and movie roles. But for to you, honest, to, you yes, to be in, you sure, were, sure, you were getting sure. roles as an actor and you have no yeah. experience, no background. You didn't have a headshot probably at that point. Right. Right. I was, <laughs> wow. I, right. I was getting stuff in, but all, even though I didn't really want to be an actor, I didn't want to be Hollywood. I don't like the the whole scene. I don't like sitting in a sitting around for hours before you say a line. (laughs) It's not my job. My job is researcher, explorer, author, coach. Um, So, so I kind of uh, abandoned that because if I looked into my heart, I saw I only did it because I was doing, doing coaching for actors back then. And I wanted to demonstrate it, you know, I wanted to demonstrate the method. So the method works for that kind of stuff too. Riches, fame, health, um, partners, career. And what else is there? What else is there actually? Those are the main categories. You know, then there's there's small stuff such as uh, I don't want my grandmother to shout at me anymore. And you can um, use it for that stuff too. Well, and you have a, a story and levels of energy of helping a family with a wayward teenager. Oh, that that happens a lot. Yeah, I get a lot of uh, can you help my children and uh, can you do something for my children? Oh, yeah. And like you say, in some cases, it's not about the kids. It's more about the parents. How do people go from a level? How do you you talk about getting into the Hollywood vibe and you've talked about getting into the money vibe and the and the love vibe? How do people know what that vibe is and get there? One way you could go is 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 to kind of. uh, uh, study it, you know, to uh, hang out where these people hang out or to read their biographies or see what they do, observe how they speak. Um, for example, there's different ways to watch a movie. You can watch a movie as, as your normal self who's just tired and wanting to get entertained. Or you can watch it as somebody who deliberately identifies with one of the characters. And when you do that, um, you start vibrating a little bit like him. Okay, so you're sitting in the in the movie theater and you're putting yourself into that character. It's what we do as kids oftentimes. And and we kind of lose that when we're grown ups. We we pretend to be that character. And um, that's how you start energetically connecting, corresponding and vibrating. And then the movie's over and you go out of the theater and believe it or not something's going to happen related to the slight shift in energy now many people don't consciously do it so so you know the energy goes away after a few hours you know how when you leave the movie you have this buzz this buzz is the energy and it goes on for an hour or two then it's gone then you forget the character you forget the movie however some people, even after years, they remember the movie character and it gives them an energy boost. It gives it inspires them. So they remember when uh, this actor or that actor did a certain action or behaved in a certain way. And the moment they remember, they get back into that vibe and it boosts them. That's that's how we're inspired by stories, by heroes, by by movies. And it depends on you how strongly you identify with that kind of stuff. So if you want Health, you got to identify with it fully. For example, if I want health, what I do, if I want to heal something, I just type into Google people who have already healed it. Those are the people I want to get in touch with. with. I don't want to get in touch with people who are whining and complaining about it. You, You see, there's a big difference there. People think that they'll find the solution if they Google, okay, who's got this problem? I'm not going to Google who's got this problem. I'm going to Google who had the solution. (laughs) Big difference. Yeah, yeah. Well, Fred, I think people probably after listening to this have some idea of why um, I love your work so much and the depth and the insight that you have in these areas. Thank you for sharing an hour of this with us today. I greatly appreciate it. Thank you, Tom. It was, it was great talking to you as always.
And we have, let's just one more little tease. We have the trilogy coming up, Levels of Energy. Tell them just briefly what Levels of Energy is about. Uh, Levels of Energy is uh, seeing the world on a scale, not in right or wrong, left or right, but on a scale from one to thousand. So many different versions of good and bad, so to speak. So, so for example, let's just take a very simple example. Um, whether freezing degrees is good or not depends on the purpose. So freezing is good if I want to preserve meat. Freezing is not good if I want to go swimming. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, so it's seeing the world on, on, on a scale, um, on, on a scale of consciousness, scale of emotions. So, for example, anger is higher than fear. Anger is not bad if you're coming from fear. Anger is bad if you're coming from a higher state, you see. So it gives you a scale of emotions from and a scale of consciousness from very low to very high. Um, it gives you a new perspective on life. It's, it's pretty interesting, pretty exciting. And um, it makes for a great package, the three together. Reality creation yeah. technique, parallel universes of self, levels of energy, parallel universes of self. If you want to buy the book and the audio, which I would highly recommend, those links are on the website under podcast number 50 at subconsciousmindmastery.com. You can just click and go straight to it, buy it, and get on with it, and start learning this material and working it into your life. Fred, thanks again. Really appreciate it. All right. Have a good day. Well, now you know why I love Fred so much and love his work. He has a depth that just is not duplicated out there in the market these days. I know you've enjoyed the interview. Go to the website, pick up the materials, study them, listen, and read together. It will make all the difference in the world. And as always, you go out there and enjoy all of your parallel universe journeys. We'll see you next time. The opinions on this podcast are those of the host based on personal experience only and are not intended as medical or psychological advice. If you are experiencing symptoms that require professional treatment, please contact a licensed medical practitioner. The stories and opinions expressed on this podcast are independently those of the host and guests and are not intended to be taken as medical advice or to replace medical care from a licensed professional when appropriate.